Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Steph, My Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Okay, before you start, can I just go ahead and interject here? Because if you are listening on this day of it being published, is August 24th, I won't say the year because it doesn't matter, which is Annie's birthday. Happy birthday. And so it is my birthday, uh, which means I am going to do a very self-indulgent rant on the feminism of Star Wars, mostly original trilogy stuff because that's my favorite and it's my birthday. We've already done episodes on Leia, two parts on Leia, pretty much all the movies, a bunch of the characters. So go to those if you want more facts and less feelings and uh, fond ranting which is what this is going to be. And also, I'm like surprisingly nervous about this one because it's like, really, it's so near and dear to me. I know it's a matter of interpretation, a lot of what I'm going to talk about, but it is how I interpret these movies, especially as I've like grown older and become more aware of feminism. So I've been kind of putting it off. And then we had like major technical difficulties. So if this episode sounds kind of strange, apologies. That's just what birthday is as an adult during a pandemic, <laughs> anyone guess? <laughs> um, <laughs> I did want to start with a quick note about our recent Mary Sue episode. So, as I often say, like when people call Ray a Mary Sue, which was a big thing, um, like why don't we ask whether or not Kylo Ren is just bad? Because it seems like he's just bad. But I don't want to detract from how good Ray is either when I say that. I think both are true at once because she, I was thinking about it. This is what I lie awake and think about at night. Uh, she is a scavenger. She grew up in harsh conditions, tough conditions. She knows how to use her staff really well, um, which is kind of similar to a lightsaber. She's got the force. She's got all these things. So I just don't want to make it sound like I don't think she's she's really good. <laughs> I also think Kylo Ren is bad, but that's just me. And so, yeah, because it is my birthday, I have been watching a lot of Star Wars stuff. And right before this, Samantha knows, I had to, I had to 
put it off before because I was watching two Star Wars documentaries at once. I was watching the one on Disney Plus, uh, Light and Magic, which is about how industrial light and magic got created. And it's not specifically Star Wars, but like the first four episodes are mostly Star Wars uh, based because they sort of had to make this these special effects didn't exist, so they sort of had to make it. And then I was also watching Empire of Dreams, which is like two hours and 30 minutes. So I feel like my brain, I feel like I've been plugged into something and I've just absorbed a lot of information before this. But it was interesting because uh, the context they gave around when these movies were coming out, which was like... 1977, and, you know, we had the Vietnam War, we had Nixon, people were really disillusioned uh, with what was going on. Um, This is when second wave feminism was happening, and there was a lot of hope for change. There was a lot of turmoil around around change. Um, And so a lot of movies at the time, especially science fiction movies, were kind of (laughs) downers. And so... Star Wars, in a lot of ways, when A New Hope came out in 1977, it broke a lot of conventions at the time of movie making. It had, it was hopeful. It was kind of lighter. It had a big symphony soundtrack, which I guess was not hip at the time. It, It cast a bunch of unknown actors. It was basically asking to create things that didn't exist. Like, people had no idea how to shoot it. And so when I was watching it, I was like, how did this get made? So many things had to go right for this to get made. And I didn't know this, but uh, George Lucas and his team kind of had a hand in creating Pixar. (laughs) Uh, They sold it to Steve Jobs and Apple, but I had no idea. And they did create a special effects field that didn't exist before. They created sound that didn't exist before. And then this was also when, it's kind of ironic now, but George Lucas really didn't want to be beholden to studios. He didn't want them to be able to come in and say, no, you have to do this, or you have to do this, or you have to do this. Um, So Star Wars kind of independent films, actually, which is, yes, ironic, because Disney ended up buying the rights to them. But that kind of felt sort of feminist in nature. I don't know. Like, I'm not saying he's feminist, but like that idea. And then there was a funny scene where everything was like, this is mostly white men working on this. And there was a funny scene where everything was off schedule. Nothing was getting done. Um, and they brought in a woman secretary and she basically like got them to 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 shapen up to to be on a schedule and to actually get things done. And then, like, I really recommend watching them because there was, like, you could see how they did the special effects. It was so cool. And then you could see, like, the matte paintings they did for the backgrounds, and they were so cool. It was just neat to see it happen. Uh, And then I didn't know this either. I knew Star Wars gets a lot of flack a lot for, in some people's minds, ruining movies. (laughs) It definitely changed Hollywood, and it changed the landscape of entertainment. But one of the things that people bring up a lot is merchandising. And Star Wars and George Lucas were like the forefront of this, of toys, movies being made around toys, which is kind of what happens sometimes now. But back then, it wasn't about that. He just wanted to own something outside of the studio that he could have and make money off of. And studios, like at the time, movies didn't make money that way. That wasn't how it was done. Um, But he had an idea 
that, okay, I think I can at least control this and get money from this outside of the studios. And boy, was he right. Because I recently went home to visit my mom (laughs) for my birthday, and she had found me all of these, like, old toys from a friend of hers grandfather like they were moving his him into a new place and in his garage he had all these old star wars toys like and one of them is from 1978 if i had the box and if it was in better condition the internet tells me it would be worth fourteen thousand dollars wow (laughs) but i am keeping it i am keeping it it is mine um never gonna sell it Please don't come after me for my toys. Uh, I'm very, very excited about it. And I also didn't know, I learned from watching this documentary, that Kenner, who made the company that made a lot of the early Star Wars toys, they they didn't expect the popularity of it. A lot of companies didn't want to even do it, so they turned down the contracting down, but Kenner did. And then it was so popular that people, kids on Christmas would get like, this voucher for a year from now, you'll be able to get this toy. We don't have it right now, but in a year, (laughs) you can get it. (laughs) So that is a lot of preamble before I've even gotten into into the bulk of this, which again is going to be shorter, very self-indulgent, mostly me. So yeah, I just, when I've been watching them, I've been watching them a lot, as you know, the original trilogy, And I feel like the force itself is pretty feminist in nature because it implies that you're you're in touch with your feelings, you're being empathetic. A lot of these sort of more emotional, in quotes, being in touch with your emotions that I think has been traditionally put on women, um, kind of a more associated with women trait. So you've got that throughout uh, the movies and these messages of, you know, being in touch with your emotions but also being able to control and let go your emotions and not let them control you. But if you think about the dark side, um, the dark side, I would argue, is kind of toxic masculinity. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people, when they describe the dark side, it's kind of difficult to to describe it, but a lot of people describe it as a drug. And if we think about, you know, toxic masculinity being this thing that's being pumped into our society from the moment we're born, that we're just kind of immersed with it and not know it, or like the patriarchy, perhaps, um, then I can see the dark side being representative of, of that. And it's this promise of power and... Yeah, a promise of power and kind of a promise that you won't. It's a very possessive thing. So I know we talked about this briefly in one of our past happy hours about the whole uproar around like attachment and Jedi. Possessive love is a a key, is a testament of the dark side. It's a love you're so afraid to lose that you would do anything to keep it, even if it means killing all of these younglings, which is what Anakin did, Uh, to try to save his family, and in doing so, actually ripped his family apart and potentially led to the death of of Padme, his wife. It always makes me sigh 
when I have to talk, when I have to talk, when I talk about this, <laughs> I want to talk about it. But the, so the thing with attachment, as it was originally intended, and I think it has shifted around as other creators have come in and done things uh, and put their own mark on the story. Originally, it was meant to be attachment's not the problem. It's like possessive attachment. You have to be able to let go of the attachment. And the dark side is you can't let go usually because you're too afraid to. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. So, you know I gotta talk about Luke, because I love him. Um, and again, we've already done two episodes on Leia, so please check those out. And we are going to mention her because I can't not mention her. Um, but I do think it's interesting how Luke in particular interacts with the Force because you've got Obi-Wan and Yoda telling him he has to confront his father, uh, Darth Vader, to become a Jedi, to become this thing that he wants to be. And I would say mostly wants to be because of his father. <laughs> and Luke's saying that he can't do it um, because he is so strongly in the belief that he can feel, feel that there is still good in Darth Vader, which, again, I just think is such a... How many times have women been dismissed because of feelings or because of emotions? We're being emotional. But this was a really, for me, it was a powerful thing for him to say, like, no, I can feel this. And I'm not going to to betray that feeling or let go of that feeling. And that's, you know, when Padme died, that was the last thing she said, like, there's no good in him, I can feel it. 
And so after Luke turns himself over to Vader, who then turns him over to the Emperor, which is, by the way, one of my favorite lines is when Luke says, come with me. Oh, I love that. Um, Anyway, the Emperor is urging Luke to embrace his anger, give in to his aggression, and kill his father and take his father's place. And violence and anger are stereotypically masculine traits are more masculine associated. And so when Luke does that, when he does give in to that, he almost loses himself to the dark side and continues this cycle of violence, uh, cuts off his father's hand where his father had cut off his hand before him. And in my opinion, his act of heroism is throwing away his weapon which is a very phallic weapon, by the way, (laughs) and refusing to fight uh, to let, not to let those things control him um, and embracing those more feminine coded traits. And this act that he does brings out the empathy and love in Darth Vader and breaks the cycle. Luke also rejects the old Jedi Order as well as the Empire, much like feminism demands systemic change. And I know we're not talking about sequels because it's my birthday and I don't want to. But in the in the original trilogy, if we kind of have that ending, and I'd like to believe that that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just rejecting that offer of power, of feeling like you can protect, that you can control things that are ultimately out of your control because you're so powerful, throwing away the lightsaber, throwing away the weapon, um, I've just always felt was sort of a a tacit rejection of the patriarchy, toxic masculinity. Again, I could be reading into these where it's not meant to be read into, but I'm going to do it because I love it. And then there is the aspect of forgiveness and family, which... Uh, certainly at the heart of this original trilogy and I think does have some aspects that I feel anyway are are more leaning towards women um, are being a like feminine coded trait because as we've discussed uh, forgiveness is tricky um, it's often associated with women women are more expected to forgive and so when you have Obi-Wan saying like, oh, the Emperor's already won after Luke says he can't kill his own father, it kind of reads differently when you know what Obi-Wan did to Anakin, as do a lot of things once the prequels come out or the sequels come out. Um, it can change your your interpretation for sure. But it does kind of feel manipulative and I think a lot of ways that some of us have felt manipulated into these interactions of how things are supposed to be. And I also think like the whole story of Luke wanting, always looking towards the horizon and thinking about his father and wanting to be like his father and then meets, finds out the truth, meets him. And it's like the ultimate disappointment. (laughs) I mean, the ultimate disappointment. Um, which kind of threatens like a part of who he thinks, who Luke thinks he is and what he could be. Uh, And then you get Darth Vader threatening Leia, uh, who is Luke's last remaining family. And that's what sets him off into almost giving into the dark side. But it's that kind of similar fear around, around the people you care about. It's also really sad. Like this is probably a different podcast, but, uh, 
Vader's story is quite tragic. I know he did terrible things. I'm not forgetting that. But he, like, it is kind of sad that the emperor was like, yeah, just kill that guy who's been my (laughs) right hand since forever. uh, And you will replace him when all Vader wanted was his family. That's what started this whole thing. He just wanted his family. Um, And I mean, there's a bunch of other things. There's like trauma for sure. um, And grooming. And he just really needed, (laughs) he needed some help. Um, But he really wanted family. uh, And he'll never, he'll never see his son smile or hear him laugh or know him. Uh, Same with Leia, his daughter. um, And their relationship is characterized by fear and pain and sadness and loss. But at the end, it's hope. I mean, there's still hope. Mm. And I know, like, probably a lot of you saw this, but recently this picture did the rounds where um, it was after the Kenobi show came out and Hayden Christensen was with the actors. He was, like, hugging the actors who play Luke and little Luke and Leia in the show. And everybody was like, oh, that's the only time he's going to hug his children. (laughs) It was so sad. Oh, it was so sad. (laughs) Um... And then this, this again, might be my own interpretation. But even as a kid, I always kind of felt like Luke's change in demeanor from Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi. It always made me sad because it feels like Luke's trying to be something he's not. Like he's trying to force himself to be this certain way to play this role, which is also something I think a lot of women feel. Um But, like, he can't show emotion. All of these things he feels like he can't do that I thought made him special when I was younger. Because I I would, like, watch it. And the things I loved about him were, you know, he was so genuine. He wore his heart on his sleeve. He was so kind and gentle. And he's still those things. But, like, it just felt um, like he was trying so hard. Like, he was so scared of Darth Vader and becoming Darth Vader. He was grieving the loss of his father figure that he'd wanted his whole life. Um, And he finds out, you know, this person stands against everything Luke does, has committed truly atrocious crimes, um, some against his closest friends, that they're on opposite sides of the war um, and cut off his hand, you know? (laughs) That, That fear of what he could be, of what Darth Vader is, led him into really cutting off his emotions and becoming closed off of being this Jedi he believes he needs to be, which I would argue he was, at the end, perfect. Like, he was uh, someone who was compassionate and caring and all of these things. Um, But there's also a mourning element to, you know, you got all the black clothes, which are, of course, reminiscent of Vader. But also, yeah, so so that's suggestive of, you know, okay, this could happen to Luke. It was definitely meant to make you think, oh, he could become like Darth Vader when it first came out. But also this loss of, you know, who he thought his father was, of this innocence that he'd had. And of course, you know, it's also a coming-of-age story. And in a way, this control that he's exhibiting in Return of the Jedi, I'm pretty sure was meant to be interpreted as, like, Oh, um, he he grew up. <laughs> He's not so whiny anymore. I think, you know, that's what it was meant to be. But when I was watching it as a kid, it always made me feel sad because he had he had this sort of brightness to him. And then it was 
like he felt he had to hide it. But yeah, I guess in some ways there's always something sad about letting go of childhood and becoming an adult. But yeah, that's in the end. I've always loved the ending of Return of the Jedi because in the end, Darth Vader and Luke choose each other. Um, And when Luke does this, throws away his weapon, his father, he chooses his father and family over power, over this temptation of the dark side. It's something that the Emperor cannot understand. So he is surprised when Vader returns the selfless act, the selfless act and saves Luke. Uh, And just that, like, having faith, having faith in each other. So, yeah, I mean, clearly I've been talking about it already. Uh, But I do think that Luke is a non-traditional hero. And that was one of the things I loved about him, still love about him. I think he was a really good balance of traditionally, like, typically masculine-coded traits and feminine-coded traits in a way that doesn't feel... I would almost say, like, we're lauding the the more feminine coded traits over the masculine ones because he's sort of like reckless and hot-headed and all this stuff that I would say is typically more <laughs> masculine. Not always, though. Not always. Um, but the the things that I, at least, was always like, oh my gosh, this is so great, is that he does have this kind of really empathetic kindness about him. This is sounding so like <laughs> men can't be that. They can, obviously. <laughs> but but it's just, I feel like in our media, the way those things play out is like that. Um, he's got, you know, he does wear his heart on his sleeve. Uh, a lot of people have made connections between physically, he's not your traditional hero, or at least in our more modern times, like he's pretty, he's on the smaller side. He is kind of pretty. <laughs> uh, he's got a bit of a higher voice. Um, I'm always struck by how small he is compared to to Darth Vader at the end. Um, and then his fashion. Oh my gosh, I found this whole corner of the internet. It was like Luke Skywalker gay fashion icon and it's the best and I highly recommend it. It's a lot of good memes. And it's the Chanel boots. The Chanel Yes, boots. I know. You've shown me. You've shown me a few times as well as yelling to the screen, the Chanel boots. And I'm not even putting that to justice. There's no other reference but the Chanel boots. But... As much as I love that, there is the question of, you know, clearly they intended Luke and Leia, in my opinion, it clearly intended Luke and Leia to end up together before they knew, before the story changed and they became brother and sister. So that's why we get kind of some of those more awkward moments uh, between them and the earlier ones. But for me, they always just had a, they had a chemistry that was like brother and sister that could also be because I don't know a time before I've seen it. So I just never, I was always like, no, they're brother and sister. Um and it does make sense to me you would feel through the force um, a connection to someone immediately if they were your long-lost twin. Uh, and you might not know what that is and you might misinterpret that as attraction. But also, you know, I think in A New Hope, Luke was definitely trying to play the role of hero and failing pretty good. <laughs> so he thought that was like the thing is the hero goes and rescues the damsel in distress and it turns out Leia doesn't really need him and in fact it's going to take control of this whole situation for you. <laughs> uh, which I love. Which I love. But um, it has brought up that like, you know, I personally always loved that there was not a really big romance 
for for Luke in these movies. And even like Han and Leia is there, but it's not too much. Um, but the way people have interpreted it can sometimes be problematic because it's like automatically he's coded as gay or even a lot of people uh, asexual, which again is fine. Like I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. But it's almost... I just wonder if there's some element of he can't possibly be the romantic interest leading man because he does have these qualities that are more associated perhaps with women. Um, But that could just be me. Also, interestingly, I was just talking about this with uh, somebody the other day. I do think the character of Han Solo, the way people received him changed how they wrote him, if that makes sense. Because I think... Um, you know, he was sort of the bad boy, doesn't like to care, it's not cool to care, which seemed to really resonate with um, a lot of men who wanted to be him, but also a lot of women um, who wanted to date him. You know, it doesn't hurt that he was handsome. Um, but but uh, like that whole bad boy aspect, I would love to come back, come back to that. But that's one of the reasons I think that scene, you know, who shot first, Greedo or Han, who shot only, uh, has changed so much. And also, yeah, uh, as our friend Holly Fry has said to me before, she thinks like Han Solo might have ruined a whole generation of women. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know I said I wasn't going to talk about the sequels because it's my birthday, but I did want to briefly mention like, you know, Grumpy Luke and the sequels. I think you could read it as like the ultimate burnout, one, but two, kind of being tired in the feminist movement, fighting the fight, and then seeing all this stuff happen and giving up or hiding away. And then Ray coming in and being like the next wave of feminism. Um, and I, I know, I mean, I have to mention it. We did a whole two-parter episode on Leia, but it is worth mentioning her again because she is amazing and I love her. I love her. I know there was a lot of stuff around filming with her that wasn't great. And we talked about that in those two-parter episodes, so go check those out. But I, like, as a kid, I didn't have, there weren't that many characters like her. And I just remember respecting her immediately. <laughs> like, she is in charge. I loved her. I think she changed my life. I don't know if I hadn't had her. I don't know. I don't know. So it just, she fills me with with warmth and gratitude, to be honest. I do love the dichotomy of Luke and Leia. I know a lot of people don't like that they turned out to be twins, and I will say that probably... I, I don't think everyone had to follow their lead, but the whole idea of, like, well, now everybody has to be connected to somebody or related to somebody has seeped into so much of our entertainment, and it doesn't have to be that way. And in fact, it can be very annoying. But in this case, I did like it. <laughs> um, I do love the dichotomy of their experiences. Uh, in fan fiction, they're known as the Chaos Twins. And Luke is often kind of described as like, he looks like Anakin, but it's more like Padme in demeanor. Whereas Leia looks like Padme, but more, is more like Anakin in demeanor. And they're both, they're both like, both of their parents. And I know Leia's the diplomat. Um... But she's definitely, in fan fiction, she's called like the firecracker and she'd be so annoyed to know she's more like Anakin than Padme. But uh, this is all also up for interpretation because uh, Luke is often depicted as like, oh, look, Leia, look at this flower. And she's like, I gotta go to work and don't bother me. <laughs> but in a way that I really enjoy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's my saddest 
I love reading stories in fan fiction where, one, they're twin-swapped, so Luke goes to Alderaan and becomes Prince of Alderaan, and she, Leia, goes to Tatooine and becomes a Jedi. But I also just love, that's the thing that is sad to me, is that we never got to see them kind of discovering their sibling relationship and how that plays out. And so that's one of my absolute favorite fan fictions to read, is, is them. Okay, well, thank you so much for letting me have this rant on my birthday. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure I have so much stuff that it might be a bit of a mess uh, or that I'll, ha- I'll, I'll want to add later. I'll be lying awake tonight thinking about it because I don't or I didn't write this one out as much as I normally do. Um, I'm sure I will come back in the future, but I hope it was enjoyable. My gushing, fangirl gushing. And I love it. The one thing I did request... After knowing that we were doing this, I was like, okay, have we truly done an, like a, a quiz? Because we love to do our little quizzes on things about what woman character from the Star Wars world we would, do, would be be. So I need you to take this quiz, if you haven't already, and then tell me who you are. And then I'll tell you who I am. Let's take this quiz. This is going to happen in real time because I haven't taken it yet. So I don't know. <laughs> what if I get someone I really don't like? Oh, it's mostly the dudes I don't like. All right. Here we go. Go. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. So if, uh, listeners, you want to take the quiz with us, we did the StarWars.com International Women's Day quiz. So it is specifically from Star Wars, whether you think that's good or not. Yeah, But I was trying to be a little more legitimate in our quizzes.
<laughs> Who are you? What did it say? Oh, I got um. Oh, I'm not even sure how to pronounce this. I got Infis Nest. Who is that? So she's in um, she's in Solo, which is the only movie we haven't done, and we'll have to come back and do it because I know you like that one. She's the at the end with the wild red hair who kind of takes control um, of the whole situation. Yeah. So it says, you keep your true self hidden beneath a mask, but in time, those you trust get to know who you really are, a person who is trying to help those in need. Oh, dang. That are, they went real deep. Um, well, I was said that I'm Ray. Oh, Ray? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You don't need anyone to hold your hand with or without the force as your ally. You are truly a force to be reckoned with. Very interesting answers. What is your reaction? Are you disappointed you're not Leia? This is going to sound kind of silly, but I'm like, I don't know if I'm cool enough to be Leia. To oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you so much again for going on this journey with me. Well, happy birthday. I'm glad we get um, to talk about it. And sorry for any technical difficulties that have come up. Hopefully it's all good. <laughs> and I rest assured... I'm sure we'll revisit some of these things later. Yep. Um, or, or be terrified. I'm not sure which. Uh, in the meantime, if you would like to email us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. What kind of fun is waiting for you at King's Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly at King's Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends.